We're at City Hall, and I just want everyone to know you may not hear me as well as the mayor. We're keeping our social distance here at City Hall. City Hall actually is very quiet. You are open, uh, and we'll talk more about that later. But, Mayor, you have uh, issued uh, an advisory for travel. You've issued an emergency order as an executive order. I think we've all read about it. Explain to me the process you used to make that decision. Well, this has been evolving uh, now for the better part of a week or two. I mean, I'm sure everyone's watching the federal government, the state government uh, talk about their concerns. We're watching what's happening first in China, Italy. Now we see Washington, New York. Um, It's my responsibility to take the actions that I think are appropriate to look out for the welfare of the 90,000 people that live here in the city of Fishers. Uh, my team and I um, researched very carefully what legal uh, abilities I have to try to change the behavior of residents to ensure that we can keep as many people safe as we can as this disease and epidemic progresses. And uh, that's why we decided to move forward with the travel advisory. Uh, it was our ability under state statute to try to correct or change behavior, I should say, uh, to ensure the welfare of our people. As I drove uh, from my home, which is near, uh, really near the, excuse me, <coughs> the HSC school headquarters, and I'm not sick, I just got a little mm-hmm. something in my throat there, the, uh, I noticed that there are a lot of police officers out, that uh, they're, look, look, they're on the lookout, uh, they're watching. What are they watching for? Well, I mean, we have our... We have our basic patrol package out on the street today, so there maybe there was something more particular in your area. But for the patrolmen that are out in, in the community, we're looking for uh, groups of individuals that are getting together for unnecessary reasons. So last night there was a large, uh, larger crowd gathering at Brook School Park, uh, and uh, our police officers went up and educated them as to why that's not a good idea and that we don't mind people taking a walk using the trail system, but try to exercise social distancing. Um, these are all things that we're doing, we believe, to try to bring down, again, that curve, whatever you want to call it, slow the epidemic. Um, and, and our police department was out last night along with our fire department educating restaurants and, and bars uh, to not be open in the sense of seated areas, but just for to-go food. Um, to the credit of our restaurant community, which we've been in great communication with, um, there was no compliance issues. Everybody was adhering to this. Everyone's uh, taking it seriously from that perspective. So, um, you know, we're out there, but right now we're really just trying to educate people as to the gravity of the situation and to, and to please uh, take heed of what these recommendations are. Just to clarify, because there are rules about this as well, uh, you're not having your police officers pull people over in their cars, asking them where they're going. No. Uh, if you do stop someone for another reason, I suspect that the officer might ask that. Uh, but uh, you made very clear that, that there are many exceptions to the advisory. If people are right. getting food, if you're looking out for an elderly, uh, right. I went to see my uh, mother you yeah, know, the other absolutely. day, and she's 89. I don't think anybody's going to have no. an object to that, uh, to check it up on her. So... Uh, I guess the question I'm, I'm asking here is, is, is when you are looking at enforcement of this, because I let me, let me put this in a bigger perspective. You know, social media can be a really great place, could be a pretty ugly place. 
and there are people who are on social media supporting you, and there are some people saying some pretty awful things. And I want you, and this is part of the deal. You're a mayor. You've been criticized before. I'm sure this is nothing new. We all get criticized. I get criticized. Sure. We all get criticized. But there are people who feel you've been heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to that? Well, I had uh, someone email me the other day and uh, expressing their discontent with my decision and uh, said that, that this whole thing is ridiculous and it's um, no big deal and that uh, it's not going to be a big deal and that uh, I, um, I had lost that individual's vote, that they were never going to vote for me again. Uh, in my response, I really talked about two things. One, I expressed my strong hope and desire that he is absolutely correct, that this isn't going to be a big deal, that this uh, is some you know trumped up thing, so to speak, and that it's much ado about nothing, and that he can say, I told you so to me. I, I genuinely hope he is correct. But that's not a risk I'm willing to take for the 90,000 people that live here. To his question about you know losing votes or popularity, that's the furthest thing from my mind in a time like this is whether or not that garners more support or lessens support for me for future elections. That's that's not the filter that I look through these decisions on, and so I um, we we have we have made every decision to date through what we think is genuinely in the best interest of the residents that live here, and we'll continue to do so regardless of the implications. Uh, for future elected office. You mentioned restaurants, and I've got a couple of questions in that regard. I still remember reading, of course I wasn't old enough to remember, the days of uh, prohibition and the speakeasies. Mm -hmm. Are you seriously worried about people surreptitiously getting together and having dinners and and, uh, restaurants trying to get around the rules. Uh, Is there anything there that you've seen or your police department has seen? I don't think so. I mean, the restaurant community has rallied. For all the sacrifices that they're having to make, um, they really are trying to help out. You know, uh, Ed Som reached out to me early on in this and said, hey, look, you know, if this thing is prolonged and no one's eating at restaurants, that's a really hard, that's a heavy burden on our grocery industry. We've got to turn some of these restaurants into places where people can go get food. We've got to diversify our food sources. Um, so there is leadership emerging from the restaurant community that is really exemplary, uh, given the fact that they are in a very difficult time right now. And, um, and so, you know, we want to balance. Obviously, we care about businesses. We want to see our economy come roaring back. The best way we can get our economy to come roaring back is that we take the measures that we need to right now to shorten the duration of this. So today, I don't even know that the press announcement has gone out, but I'm issuing my second executive order, and that's to suspend all uh, door-to-door solicitation. So um, businesses have figured out that there are a lot more people home right now and are starting to knock on the doors of residents to try to solicit business. Obviously, if we're trying to stop the spread of a disease, someone knocking on 200 doors and communicating directly with someone would not further the the social distancing that we're trying to accomplish. So I am trying to instill common sense and caution into as many policies as I can, while still at the same time balancing you know people's right to make a living. And, uh, and we're trying to do the best that we can, knowing that we won't make everybody happy. 
I want to talk about restaurants in another way because one of your major projects for the last two, three years has been what was originally called the Yard for yeah. legal reasons, changed the name to the Fishers District, it's the restaurant district near IKEA. And you know, that's been one of your major projects. So obviously, this is not something you wanted to do to close the restaurant industry at a time you're building up a major restaurant center. Nope. So my question in that regard is, have you talked to, to the operators of those restaurants? How are they doing? How how are they getting through this? So kind of maybe foreseeing, to give you a little insider uh, insight into how all this transpired at City Hall, <clears throat> we've been watching very carefully what was happening on the national narrative when uh, President Trump made his uh, announcement, uh, kind of his first na- address to the nation on prime time, I think it was last Wednesday night. Uh, at about 10.30 that night, I had just been thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And I texted my fire chief and my communications director, and I said, we need to get out in front and communicate to our people, our residents, businesses, starting tomorrow. And it was just this belief in kind of gut instinct that this was going to get worse and that we needed to establish communication early. So all day Thursday was about establishing lines of communication. You know, website went up, you know, a video went out. We had four or five different massive conference calls with businesses, churches, early learning child care groups. We wanted to, I wanted to establish relationships in the anticipation, as you saw what was coming out of Italy, starting to happen in the U.S., that we want to get out in front of that. I'm very um, grateful that we did that and that our team responded so quickly. So yesterday I was on a call with uh, restaurateurs and fishers talking through issues. And there's things that we can do to, to help alleviate some of their challenges. For instance, you know, relaxing signage. So they can put up a temporary sign that says, hey, we're open, come get food here. That otherwise they wouldn't have. Um, drive-through restrictions, all those types of things, parking restrictions. When we have those open lines of communication through this declaration of emergency, I can adjust things on the fly to allow for, for those folks to, to make life a little bit easier for them and frankly for the people that are seeking the food that they have. And actually you have a lot of groceries uh, large stores you have target store you have um well Meyer store is not here but they're close by uh, you have some large centers yeah. that that focus on food and have you had any reports of any problems there because it appears american people even though they're frustrated at shortages which you know people are hoarding in some yeah. cases there's no question about that i i, I just saw a quote from a toilet paper manufacturer that they cannot understand why <laughs> yeah. but people are hoarding toilet yeah. paper. There's no logical reason for it. Right. It's just a kind of a uh, it, it, people are just I think a little bit uh, yeah. fearful at the moment. So what do you say to this to this this tendency that many of us have when we see something like this begin to form that I don't want to use the word panic because I don't think that's happened but I think there has been some fear out there. What do you say to that? I don't believe I've seen anything to date that would concern me about scarcity of food. I do believe, you know, diversifying where people get food. So, for instance, if everyone stops eating at a restaurant, that's a large amount of pressure to go put on the food sources of the grocery stores. So, again, it's just trying to keep a more diversified food base or food streams for for people. Um, Other than that, 
you know, the basic day-to-day living resources, I don't think anyone should be overly concerned about. Obviously, we have to be concerned about personal protective equipment for uh, first responders, for medical professionals. We have to be worried about that. We have to be worried about testing. Those are all things that are legitimate and, and very grave concerns for everyone. And, uh, and those are things that we're all working on to try to sort out. But when it comes to a person who's just living with their family at their house, are they going to have the things that they need to, to be okay? I don't think that there, there's a need for alarmist concern at this point. Just uh, so people know, you emphasized in your uh, news release and your first executive order that uh, the city is generally open for business. The police, obviously police and fire, first responders are always out there. But if you need a building permit or you need to deal with government, if, to go to, if you need to go to city court, are city offices generally open? So Monday morning, we had an all-hands-on, my entire leadership team, department heads, we're actually in this room we're sitting in today, and my number one goal for the next 24 hours with that team was what I would call decentralizing staff. It makes no sense for all of us to be here. In fact, it's proposed, it really causes more of a risk. So just about every function of city government is still online and working, it's just all being done remotely or virtually. You can get a building permit, you can get a plan reviewed, you can um, pay your bills. All of those things are still very much uh, operational. Our controller's office is still working, IT is still working, but everyone is at home. Um, public works is working, but we've broken our public works laborers into groups We've broken them into eight different groups that report remotely so that if anyone gets sick in one small group, it doesn't infect the entire group. We're augmenting police and fire staff to ensure that we can. So the, the overarching goal Monday morning was let's decentralize so that no matter what, we can stay operational if we start having people get sick. And, and so today, when you walked into City Hall, there's a, a staff person downstairs to deal with anybody that might come in that has concerns or issues. And then it's myself and the deputy mayor, the only three people in this building. I noticed how quiet it is yeah. in the building. There's a reason. And there's very, there are very few cars in the parking lot. Yeah. So uh, you're open, but you're not encouraging people to walk in at this point. Yeah, there's really, I mean, again, to the social distancing point, uh, we would encourage people, if you can sort out your business without meeting face-to-face that's better for the time being. City Hall will, will not close. I mean, I'm here for the duration of this. Elliot's here, uh, Hulkran, our deputy mayor. We're going to be here no matter what. So City Hall will never close uh, from my perspective. But that being said, our ability to do business for you or do business with you will probably do the vast majority of that virtually. I was originally scheduled to interview some people in your uh, engineering department today. They're all out doing things, and, and uh, uh, that brings me to a question on road construction. If this becomes a problem, we all know the contractors, particularly road contractors, building contractors, have trouble uh, finding and keeping their staff. Yeah. You have big, State Road 37 is just one of them. You have a number of road projects yeah. that are on the schedule for this building season. Is, have you had any concern or have you communicated or have you had the time to even think about this, the fact that some of these contractors may have trouble getting the staff needed to keep those projects on time? Uh, 
the contractors are actually eager to continue to do work. They have not slowed down at all. The majority of their work, if you're an individual that comes to work, let's say, gets in a bulldozer and all day you're by yourself in a bulldozer, the risk of you, you might be less likely to get contagious just by being yourself in there versus going to your neighborhood with your family, being around other people. And so contractors are still moving uh, with all the work. They're still fully employing everyone. Now, if it gets really bad where lots and lots of people are sick, that might change. But for the time being, they're, they're all systems go at the moment. You talk to a lot of people who are experts. That's what you do. You have access to people who know something about what's going on. And, and, and you, I'm sure you've heard all sorts of predictions. And uh, I've done my best to try to monitor all the people I know online and elsewhere uh, who have some expertise in the area of epidemiology, communicable diseases, all the, the uh, people who are expert in this area. And when there's a pandemic, those are the people you want to talk to. And we've all seen, uh, most of us, if we've been watching the media, have seen that curve people show. If we hunker down and do the right thing, we can flatten the curve. If the curve goes up, that's when everyone's worried about the health system being overloaded. And the biggest problem there is not just for people with this virus, it's people with any emergency health emergency, not being able to get into an emergency room on time. Um, I'm just curious, from your conversations with the people with whom you have access as an elected official, and I know you have contact with state officials, county officials, I just want to know what your sense is of where this is going. Well, I mean, if past predictors are, or past behaviors are predictors of future, uh, the future, I think there's a real opportunity that things are going to get worse before they get better. Um, we know the virus is in Indiana now, right? Um, there's been very limited testing to date uh, here. I, I think you're still going to see prioritization of testing in epicenters like New York and Texas and, and uh, the West Coast. So I think the virus is going to continue to proliferate in Indiana for a while. And when we do finally start testing, I think you're going to start to see a significant increase in the number of people affected. Um, the real question to your point is how many acute patients do we start seeing going into the hospitals? We now have two deaths associated with the coronavirus. I think we all need to be watching that number um, very closely. Uh, we are meeting every morning, our core leadership team that's dealing with this emergency to monitor and adapt as we need to and see fit. Um, but I don't think anyone uh, right now can give you a clear estimate as to what will happen in uh, in our community uh, today. And all the more reason to be, I would err on the side of preparation over being flippant about it. Any final message you would like to, to give the residents of Fishers after all we've said today? Yeah, I think I could not be more proud of the team of people here at city government. You know, we've been on this for several days now. Our team has worked tirelessly um, behind the scenes to get ourselves prepared, thinking through so many different eventualities, making sure that we can communicate effectively to people, uh, all while still trying to balance your own family life. And, and uh 
And I'm just really, really proud of how quickly we've adapted, how confidently our team has worked to try to uh, make sure we can put forward a calm, competent, and compassionate uh, message. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to continue to do that throughout the duration of this event. And I really, really want people to know um, you can call us, 317-595-211. Um, wait, 317-595. Um, I'm going I'm to yeah, give, give me the number. While you're looking the number up, yes. I just want to say one thing. And I have uh, a son-in-law who's in the ministry in another state. And, and the, his, the church for which he works, they're very concerned about keeping their staff together. So if you have, have a habit of giving to a, uh, any, any uh, house of worship, uh, make sure you find a way to fund them, even though they're not having in-person uh, uh, services. Make sure That's that uh, you are point. supporting them in another way or seeing the online service, or at least supporting them financially to keep that house of worship together and, and the staff that, that they have put together to serve their own uh, faith community. I think that's uh, that's something we all need to keep in mind and something that hits home with me. Uh, thank you for uh, reminding me about that. The church community, a, a number of them have been good to work with. And, you know, I know it's a hard decision when you have to close your doors on Sunday to people who are probably looking for assurances uh, from their faith. And I was emailing with uh, a church leader just today about that very issue. And uh, we certainly appreciate the sacrifices that they're making. I'm glad uh, you gave me a minute there. It's been a long few days. Uh, first of all, our website, www.fishers.in.us backslash coronavirus, but really the front page of our website, you can get right there. And then the phone number um, is five, not 317-595-3211. Again, 317-595-3211. And we've had north of 100 calls already. Uh, ranging from a variety of issues, but that's staffed 24-7. And if anybody has any concerns, it's non-emergent, obviously, if it's emergency, call 911. But if not, call that number, and uh, we will get you to whatever resources we can or answer any questions that you have. And uh, everyone just stay safe, stay calm, and uh, we'll get through this together. You have prompted one more question, sure. if you have a moment. One of your biggest projects since you have been mayor is, is mental health. And uh, we are, as humans, uh, social animals. I mean, we yeah. love to socialize. We are going to be hunkered down for a while, at least a short while, possibly a long while, as you said. So my question to you is, when people start to feel that cabin fever, if, if, if that lack of social contact starts to, to become a problem, uh, are there places people can go when they think their mental health is being impacted by by all of this, and as there's no doubt that some people are going to face that issue, especially if they had mental health issues before this. Yeah, that the calling that phone number that we just listed would be uh, an option for that. Uh, we have resources available that we can get people to if their anxiety reaches a point where they're really starting to, to feel concerned or panicked. Uh, if you call the, the hotline or visit our website, we will get you to resources. But uh, yeah, this is not going to be a sprint. Um, this is going to be a marathon, and I think we're in the early stages of this um, conversation. Now, I hope I'm wrong again and that uh, things turn around tomorrow. There's some miraculous news tomorrow or the day after, but I think there's nothing that I've been given in terms of information that would lend me to believe that that's going to occur. So 
we need to really, you know, think about the long haul, understand that this is going to take some time and that we're going to have to work collectively and creatively to get through it. Mayor, thank you so much. Thank you.